in the Psalms of Ascent. Climactic progression, stepping up in elevation. That's what these Psalms are all about. I'm going to read Psalm 125. I've entitled this Psalm, Assurance Encourages Worship. But we're going to see tonight that just like we teach here at the Oasis, that really we see a, a sort of a cyclical, complementary circle between worship and the Word. You're going to see that tonight in this psalm between worship and the assurance that we gain. Notice what the psalmist writes in Psalm 125. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. It cannot be upended and will endure forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people now and forevermore. Indeed, the scepter of a wicked king will not settle upon the allotted land of the godly. Otherwise, the godly might do what is wrong. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good, to the morally upright. As for those who are bent on traveling a sinful path, may the Lord remove them along with those who behave wickedly. May Israel experience peace. Now the first thing I want to share tonight is sort of a general thing about this entire psalm. Remember, these are psalms or songs that the travelers would sing three times a year on their way to Jerusalem. And one of the things that struck me particularly about this psalm is this. You'll notice that as they are thinking about worship, as they are, you know, headed toward Jerusalem and all of that, that everything's not okay. Everything's not okay. In fact, we don't know exactly what all the specifics are, but it's obvious that one of the major things that's playing on the psalmist's mind here is that there is, there is an infiltration within the leadership, spiritual and political leadership of Israel, that is ungodly. And this is playing on them, and it's affecting the whole nation of Israel. And as they are going to worship, they are carrying this with them. And here's what I want us to see tonight. This is really important. So often in our worship, I think, just like maybe even in other things with God, we almost feel like we've got to get to a certain place, if you will, and then sort of present ourselves whether it's for service or worship or, or anything, when I got everything together or everything in my life is together. You understand where I'm coming from here? And what this psalm reminds us of is this. That's not the way to live the Christian life. That's not the way to be a follower of God. What we need to learn to do is to come to God just as we are with all of our stuff and everything that's bothering us and all of our baggage and all of that. And we need to come to God at that moment, even when maybe things aren't right in our life, and still press into God and worship Him. Because it is through our worship 
that our mindset, if you will, and our perspective and other things maybe will start to align and change and all of that instead of waiting for, I, I need to wait till I have a better attitude or I need to wait till I can resolve this in my own mind or I need to wait till all this. No, no. If that's the case, then really that's not reality. There's always going to be either things in our life or things around us that are happening that aren't good. That, that, you know, wouldn't be the way we would want it to be. And that's when we've just got to bring it with everything that we've got, and we've got to worship the Lord. Even when things aren't good. And you'll notice that it is in this time of worship that the psalmist gains assurance. And then what that does in that cyclical, complementary way is, as we are assured by God in our worship, it drives us to worship more, you see. And then the more we worship, the more we are assured And it's not that anything necessarily has changed. The circumstances haven't necessarily changed. It's just God, through our worship of Him, has assured our hearts in Him. Not in our circumstances. Not how everything is going, but in Him. Another thing I want you to notice as far as generally speaking, You'll notice in verse 1 of 125, he mentions Mount Zion. And very often in these Psalms of Ascent, you will see that whole idea of of mountains or looking up. Remember Psalm 121, verse 1? I look up toward the hills, from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord. Psalm 123, I look up toward you, the one enthroned in heaven. Because remember, as these worshipers, we've got to sort of, try to put ourselves as much as possible in in where they were coming from. They were coming from low-lying areas, and they were going up in elevation toward Jerusalem. And as they were physically ascending, they were hopefully spiritually ascending and going up as well, progressing. And as they made their way to Jerusalem, they, they couldn't help but think of and see all the higher elevation as they got closer and closer. And then as they got, you know, very close to Jerusalem. They saw the mountains surrounding Jerusalem, and especially Mount Zion in Jerusalem there. And that made such an impression upon them. It, it, it sort of was a way for them to, to connect to God as they looked at His creation. Now what I'd like to do tonight is this. Before we actually get into this psalm, I'd like some help. I need four people tonight who have very strong voices that can read a verse when I call upon you and everyone in the room can hear it. You know, loudmouth like me. Do I have four volunteers? Anyone? All right, Phil. Matthew 7.26, if you would look that up. Tony? Would you look up James 1, verse 6? Next one. Anyone at all? Jill. Isaiah 57, 20. And one more. 
1. Ephesians 4.14. All right. I'll call on you all later. I might not remember who has the verse, but you know the verse, right? So, all right. Now, here's what I want to start with tonight. I want to start with the problem in this passage. Notice in verse 3, he says, Indeed, the scepter of a wicked king will not settle upon the allotted land of the godly. The scepter was a symbol of conquest and authority. And he is saying there is wickedness in the land. There are people in authority that should not be holding leadership positions. But he encourages himself in the fact that he says that will not remain. That will not rest is what the word settle means. Why? Because God promised this allotted, this assigned, this apportioned land, not to the ungodly, but to the godly, to the servants of the Lord, to those who are just and righteous. And then notice this next statement. Otherwise, the godly might do what is wrong. In other words, two things here. One is the psalmist is saying, God will not allow the ungodly in leadership for long for a couple reasons. One, when the ungodly are in leadership, they exert a corrupting influence upon society which erodes it and corrodes it. To the point where even the godly or those who are trying to be godly can get caught up in the corrosiveness, if you will, within that society. Now, we saw that in Israel, and obviously we see that even in our own country today. That's why we pray and work to get good, righteous people in leadership, both spiritually and politically and everywhere, because it only helps us, and it only helps anything that they're involved with, because there will be that corrupting, eroding, corroding influence when there are people that shouldn't be in leadership who are, no matter what you're talking about. Even if you're talking about running a business, it doesn't matter. That business will suffer if bad leadership is in charge. But there's another point here, and that is one of the reasons why God would not allow ungodly leaders there for an extended period of time at any one time is because the godly may also get frustrated by what's going on and sort of take matters into their own hands and then end up sinning and doing something that they shouldn't because they are frustrated with the way things are. And so he's saying, this is a problem. And God, I'm bringing this to you. I'm thinking about this even as I'm on my way to Jerusalem up to the temple to worship you as one of the traveler pilgrims. Now, again, I want to really apply this to us tonight. Whether it's a Wednesday night or a Sunday or any time where we're gathering together as God's people, we've got to realize that we're going to have to bring our stuff and what's bothering us. It's okay because it's in bringing all of our stuff and what we're struggling with and what we're dealing with and what may be causing us anxiety or concern or all of that 
That, that we are real, if you will, worshipers before the Lord. And we don't wait until everything's okay in my life to come and meet the Lord and be with God's people and worship Him. We allow that time of worship and gathering together as God's people and being before the Lord to actually begin to maybe, again, change us in some way. And realize that maybe God won't necessarily change the circumstances, but out of that time of worship and gathering together, God may change me. May change my perspective, my mind, my heart, all of that. And so that's a very important thing that is happening here. But you'll also notice beyond the problem, we have a prayer. A prayer in verse 4 and five, when the psalmist says, do good, O Lord, literally act or move on behalf of those who are good. Now he's not talking about sinlessly perfect. He's simply saying, God, act or move on behalf of those who do things your way. That's really what the word good means. Those who are seeking God to live for you. Those who are seeking to do things your way, God, act or move on their behalf. To the morally upright, to those who sincerely want to please God, God, act or move on their behalf. But then he says, as for those who are bent on traveling a sinful path, Lord, remove them. Take away their influence. Lead them away. And you'll notice here, again, what is the psalmist reminding us of? The same thing that the very first psalm reminded us of. There's only two ways. There's only two kinds of people. You're either following the Lord or you're not. Two ways. The narrow way, like Jesus said, or the wide way. In Psalm 1, it's this man or that man. And so he breaks the same thing down here. Two kinds of people. Those who are doing what the Lord would have them to do and those that aren't. And notice how he describes them. Verse 5. Those who are bent. They are intent. They are determined on traveling a sinful path. They literally are saying, I'm going to go my way regardless. Regardless. And then he says, again, not only remove them, but remove even those who are following them. And then he ends with, may Israel experience peace, welfare, prosperity, tranquility. Now keep your finger there for just a moment, and I want you to go over to the book of Romans for just a moment. Romans chapter 1. I want to begin in verse 21. Very familiar passage. And in this passage, you will notice that there's a phrase that is repeated. It is the phrase, God gave them over. God gave them over. God gave them over. Verse 21 of Romans 1. For although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God or give Him thanks, but they became futile in their thoughts and their senseless hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for an image resembling mortal human beings or birds or four-footed animals or reptiles. You may say, why did you turn to Romans chapter 1, by the way? 
I turned to Romans chapter 1 to this passage because this is a New Testament illustration of those who are bent on traveling a sinful path. Exactly what Psalm 125 says. Therefore, verse 24, God gave them over in the desires of their hearts to impurity, to dishonor their bodies amongst themselves. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Literally in the Greek, it's the lie, not a lie. And worshiped and served the creation rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to dishonorable passions for their women exchanged the natural sexual relation for natural, unnatural ones. And likewise, the men also abandoned natural relations with women who were inflamed in their passions for one another. Men committed shameless acts with men and received in themselves a due penalty for their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do what should not be done. They are filled with every kind of unrighteousness, wickedness, covetousness, malice. They are rife with envy, murder, strife, deceit, hostility. They are gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, contrivers of all sorts of evil, disobedient to parents, senseless covenant breakers, heartless, rootless, although they fully know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but also approve of those who practice them. The point I want to make is this. Some mistakenly think when they come to this passage that as these people are practicing these things, that God gives them over. No, that's not what it means. What it means is that God has already given them over. And this is the result of God giving them over. Do you see the difference? It's not like they did these, so God said, okay, I'm giving you over. No. God literally... In the original, if you study this, the phrase God gave them over is literally God is pushing them in this direction. And this is the result behavior of God giving them over. See, God understands if you are intent on traveling down that path, I'll help you. I'll help you go down that path because God knows that's where their heart is at, you see. And that's an important distinction that a lot of Christians don't understand that that's what the Bible teaches here. That's what it means for God to give them over to this behavior. They've already shown, just as Psalm 125 says, that they are intent on and bent on traveling a sinful path. Therefore, God leads them away, if you will, and gives them over because of that behavior. All right, back to Psalm 125. Let's get to some more positive stuff tonight and to these scripture verses here in just a minute. So we see the problem. We see the prayer. Now I want to show us the principle. The principle is this. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. It cannot be upended. Notice here that God will give His people who trust in Him stability. Stability. But it is those who trust in the Lord. 
The word trust here means to rest in the arms of God, to rely on Him. That's what it means to trust. It's not just an intellectual sense, God, I believe in you. It is literally, I am resting, God, in your arms. I'm literally putting all of my weight on you. In fact, I think I shared this with you before. There's a story of a Bible translator in a, in a small you know, village somewhere in a remote part of the world. And as he was translating the Bible, he came to the whole concept of faith. And he, he, he understood from them that there really wasn't any kind of equivalent for faith in their language. And so one day he's sitting there in this hut. And one of the people from the village comes in and literally plops, for lack of a better way to say it, in a chair. And, you know, obviously rests all of their weight on that chair. And as he was thinking about it, he said, it was like God stirred, it's like, that, that's really a great illustration, if you will, or understanding of what faith is. It, it's resting all the weight on that because you believe that that chair will hold you up. And so he said to them, this is what faith is. It is literally you resting all of your weight on God. And the psalmist says, when you and I learn to rest in the arms of the Lord, to rely and depend totally on Him, we will be like Mount Zion. We will be confident. We will be stable. We will be secure. Because as they saw Mount Zion, it was like, there's a rock. That ain't going anywhere. And when you and I trust in the Lord, that's the kind of stability and security that we can have. It cannot be upended. The word upended means shaken. It can't be shaken. It can't be moved. It can't be overthrown in any way. That's you and I when we trust in the Lord. But not only does God give us stability, God sustains His people. Notice what else He says. Those who trust in the Lord will be like Mount Zion. It cannot be upended and will endure forever. It will continue. It will remain forever. That's sustaining power right there. Not only will we have stability in our life, we will be sustained by the Lord. So God stabilizes His people who trust in Him. He sustains His people who trust in Him. And then I love this. He surrounds His people who trust in Him. Verse 2. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people. Let me just stop there. The word surround here means to encircle, to encompass. And, and what the word is saying is, that there is not any place, that there is no opening, there's no side that God is not around in your life and my life. He is on every side of us so that nothing can get in without at first passing through God. And notice he says, God surrounds His people now at this very moment and forevermore. In other words, there is never a time in my life where we are not surrounded by God. So can I 
make this statement tonight. There are many times I, as Christians that we pray for God to put a hedge of protection around us. Can I tell you, that hedge is already there. Now and forevermore. God will always surround His people. Always. And the only way for something or someone to get through to us is it first has to pass through God. He's on every side of us. And then you think beyond that to even the angelic realm. Remember the great story of Elisha and his servant in 2 Kings 6? Where the servant's freaking out because he goes out and he sees this whole entire army surrounding he and Elisha. And he comes back to Elisha. He says, Elisha, what are we going to do? We are surrounded by the enemy. And Elisha says, he starts to pray. He says, God, open up his eyes. And, and the Lord opens up his servant's eyes. And he looks up and he sees an angelic army surrounding the enemy army. You need to know tonight that if you will trust in the Lord, you will have the stability of Mount Zion. God will sustain you now and forever, and He will surround you now and forever. And do you see now how, even though this psalmist was sort of troubled in heart, that as he began to just worship the Lord and turn to the Lord and, and be obedient in worshiping the Lord, how his worship encouraged assurance, and then how, in a sense, his assurance drove him back to worship. It was like the more he understood again who God was and what God was to him, the more he wanted to just praise God and worship Him. And then the more we praise God and worship Him, the more we are assured. Because we begin to know who we are in God like never before when we truly worship now, with all of that said, I wanted to point this out. If those who trust in the Lord are like a mountain, strong, stable, secure, there are three other kinds of people, and we don't want to be like these, and these are all described in the Bible. Some people are like sand, ever-shifting and unstable. Some people are like sand, ever-shifting and unstable. Listen to Matthew 7, 26. Sand. Some people are like sand. They are shifting and they are unstable. Contrast that with those who trust in the Lord like Mount Zion. Next, some people are like the sea, restless and unsettled. Some people are like the sea, restless and unsettled. James 1, verse 6. And then Isaiah 57, 20. Yeah, 
And then finally, some people are like the wind. Some people are like the wind. Uncertain and inconsistent. Some people are like the wind. Uncertain and inconsistent. Ephesians 4.14 Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. I could have turned all those, but I'd rather have you do it. Did a great job. I wanted to contrast tonight in this psalm how in different places of the Bible, different kinds of people are described in contrast to what we're reading here in verse 1 of Psalm 125. And I especially tonight want you to go away from here with the first two verses of this psalm sort of in your hearts and in your minds. God will stabilize you. No matter how crazy things are, if you and I learn to trust in Him, to rest in the Lord, we will be stable and strong and confident and secure, just like Mount Zion. Secondly, if we keep trusting in the Lord, He will sustain us so that we can endure through everything. It's not a matter of taking away all the obstacles and challenges and bad things that are going on, but how God can deliver us through all of these things. And then I want you to again be reminded tonight, verse 2, how the Lord surrounds you and is surrounding you at all times. If the Bible says that God surrounds His people now, and forever, then that's what it means. There is never a time in our life where you and I are not surrounded by the Lord. And as I even added tonight, and also His angelic host, that He could call at any time. I mean, even Jesus said, I could call if I wanted to. Legions of angels who could come and attend to me at any time. They're there, and they're always there. And God is always there too, if we will just trust Him. We must not be like the sand. So many people today, even Christians, or those who profess to be Christians, are so shifting and unstable. It's like from one thing to another. No stability in their life at all. One thing to another. Then we can be like the sea, restless and unsettled. Same thing. So much restlessness today. So many people who are unsettled today. And then, like the wind, always uncertain and very inconsistent. Maybe consistent for a little bit, but then a next gust of wind comes along and drives them this way and that way. See, God wants His people to be like Him. He wants us to be like a mountain, like a rock. He wants us to be strong in Him. He wants us to be secure in Him. He wants us to be stable in Him. And so, I hope tonight that all of us have been once again encouraged by one of these Psalms of Ascent. 
Here was a psalmist that things weren't great, but he was strong and secure in the Lord and knew that the Lord surrounded him no matter what. Hey, thanks for being here tonight. Before we close in prayer, just a, a couple of things. One, for those of you that knew Teresa was going in for surgery, she made it through her surgery just fine and is doing, doing well. Uh, Tony was mentioning to me that Michelle uh, had surgery and she's doing fine. Uh, and also just wanted to let you know that we are now up to 148 people registered for the Revelation Seminar. So we're just too shy of 150. Um, if I, and I know you all, always do keep me in your prayers. If you could really keep me in your prayers this next like couple of weeks, because that Saturday is literally four messages, four messages in one day. So I'm trying to keep all of that straight with Wednesday and Sunday's messages and all of that. And then if you would especially keep, since it's the one next coming up, if you would keep this Sunday in your prayers. I mean, I, I really believe that the Lord wants to speak to us about the signs of the times. And they are very evident right now. And... Uh, I'm hoping that the Lord will use this in our lives to just remind us of the times in which we live and that we need to be getting ready and prepared to meet the Lord. So hopefully it'll be another great Sunday here at the Oasis. Would appreciate your prayers for that. Let's close in prayer. God, thank you so much that, Lord, you surround us. You sustain us. And you make us strong and stable. God, all that you require of us is that we just trust you. That we just rest in the mighty arms of God. That we just lay down and just snuggle up and just say, God, you've got me and you've got this. You're in control. You're the almighty God. You're on the throne. You rule. You reign. And there's nothing greater and stronger and mightier than you. So God, help us to just keep trusting in you at all times. No matter what is happening in our world, what's happening in our lives, God, just help us to keep trusting in you. Help us to rest, God in you so that we can be at rest and so that we can get rest at night and not be up and filled with anxiety and worry and care, but be able to have that gift of sleep that those who trust in the Lord can have. God, take us home safely tonight. Be with those who have recently had surgery. Help them to fully recover. And even as Nicole prayed earlier tonight, God, we just pray for all of those folks who have not only been affected by this terrible storm in Texas, but Lord, those in the Caribbean and those who are in Florida and maybe even into the Carolinas and other places, Lord, it's going to be affected by this historical storm, Irma, that's getting ready to slam into the United States. 
God, we just pray that you would watch over all of these folks. And God, give them clarity. And may they just trust and rest in you in the midst of this storm that is coming. Lord, just give us a great day on Sunday as we come once again to worship you, to praise you, to adore you, to set aside time, to let everyone know that you are the most important thing in our lives. There is nothing, God, that is of higher priority than you. And God, use your word once again to strengthen your people and to instruct us, God, in the times in which we live. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for being here. We'll see you Sunday.